And what a joy to have all of you here, especially the moms. And uh, after I say this prayer, you pray for me. I'm going to have everybody seated except the moms so that we can give you a standing ovation after I say this prayer. Okay? So, let me tell you this. I've never preached so long and as far as so many years, so good, so educated, so polished, so wonderfully that I don't need prayer. (laughs) Every time I come here, and preachers who do, and our pastors, know there's a warfare going on. Hmm? Devil wants to steal something that the Holy Ghost has prepared for your ear and your head and your heart. And there's a warfare going on. But with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God always causes us to triumph. So I, I would love for you to just extend your hand this way. Would you just pray for me? And I will so much appreciate it. And I'll pray for you. Our Father, I thank you for every song, for the worship. I thank you, God, for the worship and giving. And I thank you for this Mother's Day. I stand before you realizing my humanity, realizing my limitations. We all have limitations. But I want to be touched with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I want to be like Jeremiah, a man with fire shut up in his bones. And God, I, I don't want to just be demonstrative and, and all that kind of stuff so I can stir people with empty things. Lord, whether we're still, whether we're praising, whether whatever, I want the Word of God to do the work. Let the Word do the work. Pray that for me, church. Lord, I pray the Word of the Lord will do the work in the lives of the believers. Transformational work. Healing work. Forgiving work comforting work, miraculous work. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, everybody else but moms, be seated. Moms, you stand. Moms, 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 all moms, stand. Amen. Just remain standing. Just look at you. Hallelujah. They are going out right now buying you that car they forgot to buy you yesterday. Let everybody and with the moms congratulate each other. Put your hands together and let's give them. Come on. All the moms and everybody else. Give them an ovation. Happy Mother's Day. Grandmother's Day and every other day. God bless you. And you may be seated. Amen. Oh, I am redeemed. Now, I wrestle every Mother's Day and every Father's Day and days that are designated specially like this, to come up with a message that I haven't preached on those days before. Okay? So uh, here I am with the dilemma, and most of you know that uh, I'm in my 30th year as a pastor of this church. Well, about 10 or 15 prominent ladies in the Bible I could name off and uh, preach on. There are more ladies in the Bible but their prominence doesn't mean that, uh, their lack of prominence doesn't mean they're not important. It's just that their names are not mentioned as often and they're not uh, foremost in your mind when you think about ladies of the Bible, women of the Bible. So I, I, doing my search and praying, I realized that I, there was one in particular the Holy Spirit drew my attention to that I, I would like to talk to you about and it would be 
a particular person whose name may or may not be familiar to you. I, I will, I'll begin in just a moment. I'll have uh, a little fun introduction. I hope it'll be fun. I believe uh, this world is in need of some superheroes. Not like the kind you see on the movies and the theaters. We, we got enough of them. I believe what this world and our world and our family needs on this Mother's Day, May the 10th, are superheroes in the home called mom or dad. Both. That, that, that's, that's what our children need. Can I get a witness? So I want to challenge all the ladies and, and all the gentlemen because this, the principles and the characteristics of which I will share is not limited to the feminine gender. I want to challenge ladies in particular and young ladies and single moms and grandmothers and moms. I want to challenge you in particular to become, uh, I'm going to use a secular term, but let me explain it, okay? Don't judge me right off. I'm going to use a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. I, I, I want to put it on the screen. I, I want to call today's lesson Super Chick. Yeah. But it really should say mom dash super chick. Okay? Now, uh, <laughs> uh, really what I wanted to, to, if I didn't have time to get Mike to do it, it, it because I, I thought about it too late, I wanted Mike to get a picture of a uh, little bitty chick, you know, and, and have a cape on it. <laughs> so that get a concept, because when I'm talking about super chick here, I'm not talking about uh, women's magazine front cover Front cover magazines of the grocery stores, Super Chick, Hollywood Super Chick. Can I get? Can I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. Okay, the the C has appeared in front of it, as you'll notice on the screen. The H has appeared in front of it, and so did the other two letters, which is an acronym. Chick is an acronym for the characteristics that I want to describe. And so, what what I've come to to do today is to talk about the fact that many women have made significant contributions to the world as we know it today. Women of fame, women of fortune and power, there have been women of prestige, there have been women of benevolence. It's just not a man's world alone. And so I thought in introducing this lesson, uh, I would give you a little pop quiz to see if you know some of these famous women. And I, in a moment, I'm going to have them put on the screen, the media team, uh, four names of ladies that I will not put you on the spot and have you raise your hands, but I want you to pick out the name you think has had the biggest influence or positive influence for the good of humanity, okay? So I'm going to put up four. There are many more, but these are the four that I chose that I want to give you a pop quiz, and you don't raise your hands, but in your mind, you choose one of these four that had the most influence for the good of humanity. Oprah Winfrey, A. It's on the screen. Mother Teresa, B. Jacobin, and the world-renowned Dr. Valerie Matura. Now there is a super chick. 
Over 36 years we've been married. However, let, let, me, let me say this to you. Now, you know, most of you, if you're brilliant as I am, you're, of course, chosen D. And uh, you don't have to be brilliant to know that after church you have to have lunch, so you put certain names up the screen. Some of you may have chosen B, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, as you know, was a Catholic nun who ministered for many years in the slums and the ghettos of one of the worst impoverished areas in the world, and that would be the city of Calcutta, India. Gave a whole life to that. And then, of course, you know that Oprah Winfrey has made significant contributions uh, in regards to humanity and bettering the uh, welfare of orphans and others around the world. And then, of course, uh, if you are like me, the first time you came across the letter C or the name that the letter C represents, Jochebed, you might have thought, who in the world is Jochebed? I want to I show you who she is, or was, and in a few moments we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 2 and begin with verse 1, so uh, we'll, we'll open our Bibles but not go there just yet. And I want to tell you the circumstances surrounding why this woman in today's vernacular can be called a super chick for each letter of the acronym. The context is this, and, I, and I'll, I'll move on on. The children of Israel, at this particular time in history, and where our text comes from, Exodus 2, are living as slaves in the land of Egypt. They had gone there many, many years before because there was famine everywhere, including where they were living. The Israelites were living separate from the Egyptians many years before, but God sent a man by the name of Joseph, who was a Hebrew, an Israelite, under adverse circumstances, what appeared to be adverse circumstances at first, to go over into Egypt. There he would face all kinds of trials and be tested, and he would pass every one of them. And God would elevate him from a, from a prison cell to become the prime minister of the entire kingdom of Egypt, he was the second man right under the Pharaoh who was the, the king or leader of Egypt. And all during that time, God used Joseph to become so powerful that when the seven years of famine came all throughout the land, Joseph could invite his entire family, his 11 brothers that he left behind, his father and all that thought he was dead, and all their families to come and live in a land of plenty while there was famine every place else because God had provided through Joseph a plan to save the lives of people. The, the population of the Israelites in Egypt became very large, very fast. And they became slaves and servants and laborers, hard laborers to the Egyptians. The Pharaoh, the top man of Egypt, thought to himself, these Israelites are multiplying so much, if their population exceed our number, they're liable to rebel against my government, overthrow my government, we become their slaves, and they become our masters. So he came up with a plan. 
And the plan is to diminish their number. And according, and many of you know this, so I won't tarry too long, he decided to make their work more strenuous, their labor more intense, their, their physical labor with bricks and straw and hay and mortar and, and, and in farming and agriculture, intensely very, very much cruel. And then he decided in order to stop the population growth, I am going to give a command that all male children born to Hebrew mothers must die. So in order, if he curbs the male population, therefore he'll curb the entire population. The fact of the matter is, he set that out, and in so doing, he told the Hebrew midwives, these will be the women who help the Hebrew women deliver their babies when it's time to come to birth. He told the Hebrew midwives, when you deliver the children of a Hebrew woman or the child, if it's a boy, you must kill it instantly. You can kill it right there with your own hands, or you can take that child and throw it in the Nile River, which was infested with crocodiles, other dangerous, probably water animals, or the child would simply drown. Now, here's what I've come to understand. If you are serving God, oh, help me, Jesus, you are trying to do what's right and raise up your family right and read your Bible and pray and live according to the ways that God can bless you, you are going to be hated by the devil. Can I get an amen? Amen. The devil doesn't like you. He don't care whether you're saved or not. He probably likes you worse if you're saved because that's one less person he's got under his power. Can I get an amen? So I say that to tell you that every one of us here have an enemy. Can I get an amen? We all have some place in our life where we are vulnerable, we are weak, we may be tempted, it may be a person we associate with that we shouldn't, it may be an uh, addiction that we have overcoming or wrestling to overcome, it may be a situation of a finances or a job situation, it may be a mental struggle, every one of us have an area, an issue that we got to keep under the blood of Jesus Christ and doing spiritual warfare against. Amen? But here is what I, I liked about what took place, even though the Pharaoh tried to eliminate the male children under two, or rather at birth, and curb the population of the Hebrews. The Bible says, and if your Bible's open, this won't be on the screen, but it'll be in your Bible. Chapter 1, Exodus, verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more the Egyptians afflicted the Hebrews, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were in dread of the children of Israel. Somebody ought to say, praise the Lord. I want you to get this phrase. Put it on the screen. We need to understand and talk to the enemy and say to the enemy, enemy, you may oppress me, but I will multiply. I didn't think I heard somebody say amen. Enemy, I may not see my way out of this mess I'm in right now because I'm in so deep, but I will multiply. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. 
You may beat me down. You may seem to have the upper hand, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, some co-partner or some uh, uh, maybe uh, adversary on the job is spreading rumors or lies or whatever it is. But you can't stop me, devil, from getting my blessing because I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my father. He is my mother. He is my elder brother. He is my sister. Whatever I need. He is my Lord. And I want to tell you something. If you're close to God, the more the enemy shoots his fiery darts and tells his lies, the more you begin to praise God, you will multiply. Can, can somebody give a Lord a hand clap of praise? You know how you'll multiply when the enemy comes against you and tries to kill you? Is if you praise God whether you feel like it or not. Is if you go to church whether you feel like it or not. If you have personal prayer whether you feel like it or not. If you get up and get out of bed and say, I know I don't feel like it, but this is the day the Lord has made. And I will get up and tell the devil, I will, I will multiply every time you try to shut me up. I'll open my mouth and praise God. Give, give him another praise. Hey, the king calls in, the Pharaoh calls in the midwives because he realizes the more that they try to kill Hebrew babies, the larger the population is. And he says to the midwives in in verse 19, how come it is that I told you to kill these babies, all these male babies, and they are lively and they're uh, living and the population is growing? And the midwives said to the king, king... All we can tell you, verse 19, is because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, Jesus. If you are a woman of the world and, uh, and somebody else is a woman of God, you are not like the other women. Come on, say amen. If you are a man of the world and there's somebody else a man of God, the man of God is far different. So the midwife says, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to assist. I was born on my grandmother's iron uh, pole bed at home in Montreux, Chaguanas. My three sisters, when it came their time to be born, was at home there in my grandmother's house. I, I don't know of anybody actually in my immediate family who was born at a, a, a area where one goes like a hospital or whatever. So there, there, there it is. I mean, a midwife would come. And, and Pharaoh says, well, you go to birth these babies. And, and the midwife says, but these are not regular women. They work hard in the field. These, these, these women are strength. They got power. Before we get time to, to help them deliver their baby, their baby is already here. And so what I want you to catch here, and it may be something on the screen I think I have up. Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. Godly women are not like worldly women. Number one, there is something different about them. I, I, I wish somebody would say praise the Lord. There is something different about a person who reads their Bible and prays and serves God and loves God and marches to the drumbeat of the Holy Spirit and not the world. Can, can I g give me another amen? Something different about them. 
They, number two, they, they don't do what the world does. Go ahead and bullet that for me on the screen. They don't do what the world does. We are under a society that tries to tell young ladies, tries to tell teenagers, tries to tell uh, moms and, uh, uh, and, and those of the feminine gender what the cool chick is, what the trend is. Put the next bullet, if you will. They, if you're a child of God, we don't do what the world does. You know, you, you, look at, you look at the way the culture is and the way things are trending, and you look at Hollywood, and you look at the music industry, and you look at the fashion industry, and it seems like that what the world is doing is trying its best to, uh, to cross the line morally. Shock entertainment. You get, you get what I'm saying? You got young girls who used to be on Mickey Mouse Club who are now older and going up through, and, and little girls used to follow them, and now they are, these young girls have grown into young women and young adults, and they're doing their best to cross the line with the lyrics. I'm preaching if I've ever preached. The lyrics they're singing now that they're 22, 23, or 25, they wouldn't even dare touch when they were 12. The way they're dressing now, they're trying to cross the line to see how scantily clad they can be and how much clothing get on. Y'all say amen, oh me, help him or something. But I'm telling you, I, I was looking at some kind of uh, uh, a show that, and then there, uh, it was after the news. And so after the news, I generally don't look at entertainment tonight, but it flowed over into it. And they were showing of a recent event where some of these movie stars and actresses in particular were, were, were fashioned in such a way that it looked like they were almost naked, uh, only with certain parts covered up. And I'm thinking, God, we, we, don't, we, we, we don't need this kind of model. We don't need this kind of... We, we are different. Our girls are different. Somebody say Amen. Uh, our women are different. We need, we, we need to be modest. And, and I'm not here to just preach against. Some guys, are, uh, 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 we, we go to a trend that once we violate the limits, it's hard to come back within the lines. Can I get an amen? You see, let me tell you women, let me tell you young lady, let me tell you teenagers, let me tell you single mom, your beauty, your value, your radiance, your self-esteem, your glory doesn't come from what Hollywood thinks or what the government thinks or what your school peers think. It comes from thus saith the Word of God. You were wonderfully and gloriously created in the image of God. Somebody praise the Lord. Yeah. Quit thinking, well, I got, to, I got to get as skinny as a zipper so I can be light. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Hey, I want, look, look at this. Uh, let me show you the difference between the Hebrew women and, and the Egyptian women. And, and, and I'm talking about today as well as our comparisons. They carry themselves differently. Oh, my, my, my. Put that up. They, they carry themselves differently. G- give me this microphone here. I think it will help me out a little better. Oh, my Lord. There are ways the world will teach girls and young ladies how to walk and how to move it and shake it and draw attention to it. Y'all don't act like me like you like you just got born a few minutes ago. Yeah. The world will say when you get this age, you just sort of put this on, put that on. They carry they carry themselves. The, wor- the, the world tells the girls and the women, draw attention to certain features of your body. 
Draw, are you all with me? Draw attention to certain parts. And, 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 and God says, oh, hallelujah to Jesus, that your glory and your beauty is different than that of the world. Certainly dress nice. Certainly take care of yourself. Certainly, I mean, uh, you know, you, you need a, a little makeup. Some of we guys need help, too, by the way. Can, can I get a little, little bit? Somebody says every old barn needs a little paint. Well, I mean, I'm not calling you an old barn. I'm not telling you that don't dress right, look right and all. You know, don't come up here, ladies, if unless that's the fashion trend, like you just got up this morning and combed your hair with a weed eater and came on to church. But as a child of God and a woman of a different spirit, you carry yourself differently. Your language is different. Somebody say amen. Here's another thought I want you to get. When they arrive on the scene, the atmosphere changes. The midwives who delivered the babies of the Hebrews mothers-to-be or mothers said that when we get on the scene where they are, bullet on the screen, when we arrive at where we need to be to help them, the atmosphere has changed because God has already helped these women and blessed them and went ahead and took care of them because he knew they were in adversity. And I'm saying to you, you are going somewhere, young ladies. Can I get an amen? You've got moms, you are still going somewhere. You're still raising your children. I don't care if your children are in their adult years and they have children. They're still your baby. Can I get an amen? You'll call them your baby, right? And, and then there's so, you, you're going somewhere, ladies. You're going with a career. You're going with a prayer. You're going maybe with to start your own business, get a good education, uh, uh, get working with a good company. And when you arrive where you're going, and you may not get there today, tomorrow, next week, or whatever, but when you arrive, if you're going to the store today, or if you're going to work tomorrow, when you arrive there, if you are full of the love of Jesus, and you're full of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know you watch your language. You know you watch your features. You know you keep yourself. The atmosphere. People won't have to come around you and think they could tell a dirty joke and they can get away with it. Can I get an amen? You won't have to have a wristband or a t-shirt or something to say that I'm a woman of God. They can tell by looking at you that you are a different spirit and the glory of God shines off your face. Give the Lord a hand clap, somebody. Here, very quickly, I need to move on. Here's the first feature I want you to see. The, the C-H-I-C speaks of Moses' mother. And a matter of fact, I need to read the text for you very quickly. Take me back to the text. Take me to Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to describe Jochebed, and we're going to move on. It says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. Her name is Jochebed. But she doesn't, isn't mentioned until the sixth chapter. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, dubbed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river bank. And his sister, whose name is Miriam, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Further, then his sister, 
said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for him from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called, Oh, it's going to get good. Called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you wages. <laughs> so the, the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Can I get an amen, somebody? Now, let me show you something. The letter C means she was a woman of courage. The word Chick, the acronym, is the first letter means a woman of courage. For she defied the king's authority. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Now, I wonder how Jochebed, that's Moses' mother's name, Jochebed, I wonder how she felt when she became pregnant. Because surely it wasn't a planned pregnancy. Who would want to have a child during a time when the king is killing babies? I imagine she must have prayed that God would let it be a little girl instead of a little boy because sure enough, if it was a little boy, he would die according to the king and the law of the land. Can you imagine the sleepless nights that Jochebed must have had as time drew near for her delivery? But when the baby came, it was a little boy, a perfect little boy. Scripture tells us that she looked upon her child and saw that he was beautiful. Well, what mother wouldn't look upon their child and say, oh, this is a beautiful child? We would do that. All mothers would do that. I've seen some babies that look like their daddy. So it's a little exception. Okay, let, let me move right on. There was something that stirred up in Jochebed's spirit, that stirs up in the spirit. I don't know how mothers do it. You know, they, they wonder, how am I going to be a mother? Am I going to be a good mother? And, 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 and ladies, of course, and I want to be a mother. And they wonder, but when that time comes, it seems to me, over my years of experience of watching people, uh, mothers being a mother, and my mother serving, uh, of course, my life, and my wife serving uh, daughters as a mother, there seems to be an impartation of God upon a woman who has a baby and a child that puts a special kind of feeling there to let that child know that you are not just a happenstance. You are not just a fluke of nature. You are not just an accident. You are gloriously and wonderfully made, and you are my child and God's gift to me. Everybody give the Lord praise. She decided she'd keep the baby because he was a, a child of faith. Evidently, if he's male, God knew that, that he would be male, so she was going to keep the baby. That this baby was set apart for a special purpose. And later on, you'll find out that he saved two and a half million people from death and bondage and captivity by the wicked Pharaoh. And so she made the decision she was not going to let the baby be taken. She was going to hide the baby. According to the Bible, she feared God more than she feared the Pharaoh. Can I get an amen? Now, I want to say this to you very quickly, and I want you to understand that there are all kinds of enemies, mom and dad, against our babies. Our babies, our children, our youth, our middle schoolers, our high schoolers, all of you here, there are all kinds of enemies out there that... Is, is coming against you in this culture like no culture that ever preceded us. 
Our morality in America has went from an all-time high to an all-time low. And when you think it can't go lower anymore, here comes somebody else doing something else vulgar and nasty and profane. And all of a sudden, they get to be a star because they broke a moral code. Help me preach here, somebody. Now, now let, me, let me show you this. We know we face, uh, here's one kind of enemy we face. We face societal enemies. Enemies of society, for example. Uh, I'm talking about while in our homes we are to influence our children. Can I get an amen? In our schools we are to influence our children properly. And that's changed drastically because it took the Bible and prayer and so much out of school. Can I get an amen? In, in our schools, it seems like it's okay for a Muslim uh, student to bring his or her mat and lay it on the floor at our prayer and pray there. But we can't have a prayer club or children praying independently when they want to pray. You ought to go ahead and, and clap your hand. I, I, I'm just saying that because I want you to understand thing, things have changed. Our society is in such a way that, that we see that our kids... They are influenced by society, and we can call it peer pressure. And, and I'm hurrying. Peer pressure uh, simply means that our kids are told by you what to say, how to speak to adults, how to respect a, a, an officer, a judge, how to respect a teacher, a coach, how to say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, nurse, sir. How many remember those days? You know, not just when you when you call them, they go yeah. I wasn't raised in that kind of culture. You know, or, or when I call a, a, a parent, call a child, child say, "What do you want?" <laughs> if 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 that happened to you and went out my culture and growing up, uh, three days later when I come out of a coma, then uh, I, <laughs> I say, uh, "Did you say something, mom?" <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm not trying to make light of this, okay? But but uh, there's there's uh, it's a light moment. It wasn't. I don't like the the what the. Destruction that took place in Baltimore this week. I do not take away the right of people to protest according to the law. Okay? We have that freedom. And there's a right way to do it. And, and protests should take place when it appears or has been proven that injustices have been served. Okay? So I do not... But what I, what, there's a difference, and we have police officers here and people of, of the judicial system that will tell you. There's a difference from protesting, I don't like how so-and-so-and-so, and then going and taking and overturning somebody's car and lighting it on fire, taking rocks and pelting it through windows. Can I get an amen? Breaking doors of, of businesses, going and stealing... Come, come help me out here. That is not protest. That's breaking the law. Okay? And so what I saw here, and it tickled me a little bit, so don't think I'm trying to be disrespectful here, but uh, it just reminded me of some kind of parenting. You know, each culture have a certain way of raising their children, okay? Uh, some of it's good, some of it's not so good. The Indian culture have a certain way. I'm Indian, raising uh, their children. The American uh, uh, culture, and we can say Caucasian culture have it. The African-American culture have their way. Can I get an amen? The, the, the Asians have their way. And, and so what happened was on this uh, particular occasion, this teenage boy was out there in the Baltimore riots, and he decided to get on the wrong side of the riot, because his peer pressure was saying to him, this is cool, man, this is what we ought to do. Don't just carry signs and yell, you know, justice, but let's take stones and rocks, and let's tear up stuff. And he had on uh, a tire that was hard to recognize his face, okay? He, it, all you could see was that his, his mouth was covered, uh, how many of you know what I'm talking about, okay? And his face was not covered, but he had on a black kind of hoodie. And the next thing you know, this boy is messing up, 
and somebody comes out of the crowd, and this boy, he's probably about six feet tall. The, boy, the person come out of the crowd probably about five feet, two inches. And next thing you know, it's a woman, and she comes up to this guy, grabs him by the neck, and beats the tar out of his head. I mean, this boy starts running. <laughs> he boom, boom, boom. And when he stopped to catch his breath, she'd be all over again like white on rice. You know the boy, he could have said, Mama, what are you doing? I'm six feet tall. I could pick you up by the back of your nap of your neck. What are you? Let me tell you something about your kids. Let me, let me tell you. you. You need to put the fear of God in them and the fear of you next. Can, can, can I understand? I'm not about child abuse, but that boy knew better. And the next thing, well, it got, what do, you, what do you call it when it go viral? Yeah, it go viral. And, and that, that's, that's what I'm saying to you. When the world tries to put that junk on your children, your family, I'm not telling you to beat up your kids. I'm telling you to beat up the devil and get on your knees and say, you, are, you were not trained that way. You were not dedicated that way. You were not brought up that way. I don't care who your best buddy is and how much they want to get on TV. You're going to get it right. Television. Forgive me. Here's, here's something I'll get an email for. Television. There's hardly any show you can watch with your children. Much less by yourself. You've got all these, these entertainment, MTV and all these other uh, uh, entertainment. They call it entertainment, but it's vulgarity. Have you, have you ever turned and see what makes this music happen and so popular? And now they've changed the rating, you know, what used to be uh, G rating or what used to be, uh, what are some of the other ratings? PG and then PG-13 and R. All of that standards have changed. They're more loose now. And when you hear some of these singers, listen, when you hear some of these singers and some of these rappers, I'm talking of all, all colors and, and all ethnicity, okay? The, the, the more words you hear in their song have to do with cussing and using profanity. And, and if you have one of these TV things, they go bleep, bleep, bleep. You don't even know what the song is because there's so, there's so much cussing and there's so much nonsense. And the world is nodding his head and calling it entertainment. And God is calling it sin. And they're using the name of God and the name of Jesus. And they're even using things that are sacraments in the church to profane the things of God. Who ever gave them that right. God never did. He will judge them, but you are responsible for your house. Somebody give the Lord a hand clapper. Let me, let me, let me give you something else. Here's the second thing I want you to get. The, the word H means, and I'm hurrying, the word H means, C-H-I-C, it means that she was a woman of humble surrender. Humble surrender. There came a time when Jochebed, the mother of Moses, could no longer hide the boy because he was older, he was louder, he's needing more attention and more care. So she realized, I'm going to have to humbly surrender him to God. Because there was coming a time also that if another Hebrew wanted to get in good with, a, with one of Pharaoh's people, he or she, that Hebrew, could rat out Jochebed and say, she has a boy and she's hiding him. So there comes a place in time where she had to surrender and say, God, I've done all I can do. I humbly surrender him to you. And there comes a time in your life and my life as we raise our children. Oh, somebody help this preacher. 
We get them through, through, through the nursery, and we get them through a toddler, and we get them through a, a, a kindergarten, except, you know, the, the elevation. And, and when we get them to teenage years, and then we get them on, on up, and, and sometimes because of their own choices, even younger than 18 years old, they choose paths that they think is wiser. And everything you do, the harder you pray, the the worse they get. How many know that's the way the devil works? For a short season, the harder you pray over your family and your marriage and your children, the more he's going to come against you. But I'm going to tell you, friends, greater is God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, who is in you and your prayer, than all the world, the flesh, and the devil. Clap your hands to everybody. Come Come on, like you believe it. There comes a time when you're going to have to surrender them to God. They may be 35 years old, still messing with drugs, alcohol, pornography. They may be 40 years old. They may be, they may be raising their own family. You say, God, I'm not God. I cannot change them. But what I will do, I might not be able to influence them. But by my prayer life, I'm going to build an ark around them. Somebody say amen. By my prayer life, I'm going to build me a little raft. Come on. Somebody say praise the Lord. Jochebed had to release him. So she took some reeds and, and, and other kinds of uh, wooden stuff and she put it together in a small basket like a bassinet and she took that bassinet and put pitch in it so that the water wouldn't come through and then she took and wrapped up her baby Moses in that blanket that Hebrews dress differently than Egyptians. Hebrews clothes color were different. Their designs were different. And they were done deliberately so because they were Hebrews and also to identify them separate from the Egyptians. So this mother takes this baby. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. And she puts him in this basket. And uh, she takes him to the Nile River. And she situates him around, among the river edge where reeds and grass and tall grasses grow into the water. But she puts him in a place where the water current won't cause him to drift downstream. Because if he does, he may be consumed by the alligators or it may capsize or whatever. She puts him there. Then she has this strategy. Oh, I'm, I'm surrendering to him, Lord, to you. And she tells her, her, her daughter, which is Moses' sister, Miriam, I want you to go hide where they can't see you, anybody coming by the river and keep your eye on your brother and let me know what happens to him. Because here she is surrendering. And there comes a time when you and I got to surrender. Give me an amen, somebody. Let me move it even further to say to you that about that, just when you think God ain't in your prayer and he ain't coming through, about that time Pharaoh's daughter comes on the scene to go take her evening bath or whatever it is that they do at the river because they didn't have showers and plumbing and stuff like we have. And the Bible says in verses 7 to 10 that she came along the side of the river. She heard the crying of the baby. Isn't it amazing? The baby might not have cried before, meaning uh, right at the... Uh, the time that he needed to cry. But God made Moses cry so he could make Pharaoh's daughter hear a crying baby. So he could say to Pharaoh's daughter, tell one of your servants to go in the river and go in the reed. There's a basket or some kind of floating device. Get it. It's a cry of a baby. I want you to bring that baby to me. The maid goes and brings the baby to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter opens up and lifts the Hebrew blanket and sees a little male child. And she said, this is one of the Hebrew babies. And all 
all of a sudden, God puts a love in her heart, a compassion. She knows he is male. She knows her daddy. Pharaoh's daughter knows her daddy says, kill every male child. But no, this is a special baby now because when you surrender it to God, God's everywhere. I wish somebody say, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. My, my, my. And, and so, here, here's, here's a beautiful thing. Give me the next letter. The next letter is I. The first one was courage. The second one was having to do with humble surrender. And this one has to do with impartation. No sooner than Pharaoh's daughter opened up the casket. Casket. Basket. The casket will never come because he wasn't buried. <laughs> Lord. It's Sunday. Uh, no sooner than that takes place. Miriam runs out. This Miriam, she's probably about eight years old. She's Moses' sister. Pharaoh doesn't know that. She runs out and she says, ma'am. She bows down, does whatever she does to the, you know, to the, to the princess and says, would you like for me to go get a Hebrew woman who could nurse this child and take this child for you? And, and Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go immediately. Next thing you know, she runs out. This is all God. Everybody say, this is all God. All God. She runs out and she runs back to her path and she goes to her mother and says, Mom, come quickly with me. You won't believe what happened. Mom comes over to Pharaoh's daughter. She does whatever homage she does. And Pharaoh's daughter says, I want you to take this baby. And I want you to nurse this baby and wean this baby. I want you to take care of this child. And I'm going to pay you for it. I wish somebody say praise God. Very few people in America, when they get a baby, get the, the, all of what needs to happen for the rearing of a baby to take place by way of crib, by way of bottles, by way of diapers, by way of formulas, by way of monitors. Can I get a witness here? Uh, by way of all. Very few people get to get all that free. But here is a woman who is going to get all the milk after the, 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 the child is not uh, no longer breastfed. All the milk is going to come from Pharaoh's house, the killer. All the bassinet and all the cribs going to come from Pharaoh's house. All the onesies, twosies, threesies, and foursies, and I don't know what they call them. They, they, they'll come from Pharaoh's house. I wish somebody would say amen. There ain't going to be nothing that child needs. All its blankets, there won't be a thing that child needs that what the enemy meant for evil. God turned around and made it good. You cannot lose by turning your family over to God. I want the musicians to come. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me tell you this. Impartation is what takes place. Impartation means that not only does she get to raise her own son, she gets to impart in him Jehovah God. We may be in a slave land and a foreign land in America. We Christians are in a foreign land in America. Can you, you know, even if you're a citizen, this is not the land it used to be. Oh, we can sing it's the land of the free and the home of the brave, and it is, but this is not the godly land it used to be. So you, you are not, so you're not supposed to think by bringing your child an hour and a half a week to youth group, or, or you coming, uh, putting him in, in a two hour something here, spiritual weekly, that we are the ones that are going to make the difference alone. Can I get it? Amen. We are not the only imparters in their life. The pastor is not the only imparter in their life. The school is not the only imparter. And kind of things the school are teaching now, the kind of things you don't want the school to impart in them anymore. 
Can I get an amen? Somebody's school that are teaching that same-sex marriage is okay, that, that gender change is okay. You all ought to help me preach. I'll preach by myself. Some of the school that's teaching that certain kind of drugs are okay, and, and all the, you, you don't want them to impart in their life. Can I get an amen? Here comes Moses' mother, Jochebed, and she takes him from the arms of Pharaoh's daughter. And for the next five years, she teaches him the Ten Commandments. She teaches him how to pray. She teaches him that even though they're in a strange land, we got a God who's going to take us out of Egypt one day and take us into the promised land. Say amen, church. And here's the last, the last item as the praise team comes. The letter C, the last letter, means that she becomes a woman of continued legacy. Okay? First, she's a woman of courage. Second, she's a woman of humble surrender. Thirdly, she's a woman of impartation. And C, she's a letter, a woman of continued legacy. Because she had more than two, more than one child. She had three children. She had Moses, Miriam, and Aaron. And as I would think in my mind, and I don't have it documented just accurately, but I would think that Miriam, Miriam might have been firstborn, Aaron secondborn, and thirdborn would be Moses. They're all in a strange land. But now here's a legacy. Moses wasn't the only special child that God gave her. Because Miriam was used of God to go rescue her brother. Somebody say amen. And don't let the devil tell you or anybody else, well, you've got your favorite this and favorite that. Love them all. Because they're all a gift from God. Miriam, after the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, by God opening up the water, and two million of them crossed over on dry ground, got on the other side on dry ground. And when they got on dry ground on the other side, Pharaoh's army, thousands are coming in the middle of the open path because they figure the water is going to stay subsided and they can go through. The water closes in on them and they all drown. Miriam takes her tambourine and she starts singing a song for two million people to start praising God. Can I get an amen? I'm telling you, you can leave a legacy. Not just Moses who saved two and a half million people, but Miriam was the first praise team leader of two and a half million people. I don't care if your family is two or twenty or fifteen. You ought to be a praise team person in your house. Oh, help me, Jesus. Then you know what happened? Aaron. Aaron comes. He's a brother of Moses. Moses was born with a speech impediment. He, he could not speak fluently. And when God told him to go and lead my people out, he's, he's up in years now. Moses tried to make all kinds of excuses why he couldn't go because the last time he left there, he was a wanted man for killing an Egyptian who killed a Hebrew. And then he said, God, I can't even talk plain. God said, I'm going to send your brother Aaron. Oh, somebody say amen. I'll send you and Aaron and I'll do ten. Mi- oh, I got to shut up. But I'll do every miracle you need. I'll only do it when you need it. I won't do it too soon and I won't do it too late. Can I get an amen? If you will show up in faith, God will show out. If you'll praise God anyhow, God will show out. His grace is sufficient when you need His grace. Aaron goes. The people's let go. Aaron, is, he becomes second under command of Moses. There comes a time when Moses and the children of Israel have to face a battle to destroy the enemy, to get into the promised land. The children of Israel, they're not trained in fighting, but they're fighting down in the valley. And Moses is on the mountaintop. 
to raise his hands up. He lifts up his hands on the mountaintop where the soldiers and the fighters of the Israelites fighting the enemy. Once they see his hands lifted up, they know everything is all right. And the power of God is there. And the intercessor is praying. So they win the battle. But there came a time when Moses' hands were so heavy to hold it by himself that God sent somebody else. Aaron, his brother, to lift up his hand. And God said her to lift up, not her, her, H-U-R, to lift, to, lift, to lift up his other hand. Can I get an amen? Aaron, they made him sit down on, on a stone. Oh, let me tell you, I don't know where your daughter and son is, but if you've ever been a praying mom or praying dad, they're going to see your face. I tell you, if you can't stand up anymore and they see your face, they're going to see your face. Can I say an amen? And, and, and Aaron and her, two men, stood Moses up. One got him by this arm and held it up. And one got him by the other arm and held it up. And as long as his hands was held up, the children of Israel destroyed the enemy. I'm telling you, you're building a legacy. And I'm going to close with this. Put on the screen for me. It's a little kind of a poem thing that I found that I asked them to put on the screen. It was written by Dr. I.M. Haddleman. And it's an interesting list of contrasts in the life of Moses. Listen, listen to his legacy. He was a child of a slave, but the son of a queen. A man with two moms. He was born in a hut, but lived in a palace. He inherited poverty, but enjoyed unlimited wealth. He was the leader of armies, but the keeper of flocks. Can I get a witness? He was the mightiest of warriors, but the meekest of men. He was educated in the court, but dwelt in the desert. He had the wisdom of Egypt, but the faith of a child. He was fitted for the city, but he wandered in the wilderness. He was tempted with the pleasure of sin, but he endured the hardship of virtues. He was backward in speech, but he talked with God. He had the rod of a shepherd, but the power of the infinite. He was a fugitive from Pharaoh, but an ambassador to heaven. He was the giver of the law, but the forerunner of grace. He died alone on Mount Nebo, but appeared with Christ in Judea. No man assisted him in his funeral, but God buried him. And maybe God buried him because we are told there's coming two prophets in the, in the days of the tribulation. That's going to preach the gospel, and they ain't, they ain't going to be allowed to die for three and a half years. We're told one of those two prophets is going to be Moses. So God's not finished. He's not finished with you. Stand everybody all over the house. Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap. Go ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads. Pastor, I'm one of those today who need to be a person of courage, humble surrender, impart what you've imparted to me to others. And I want to be one of those who leave a legacy. Not just a legacy of a name or some money or a car or a house or a will. I want to leave some stuff that outlives me. I, I, I want on Mother's Day to rededicate my life. I want as a mom, a daughter, to give my life completely to the Lord. I want as a, as a son, a husband, whatever your role is, today on Mother's Day, God. There's some things I'm fighting. There, there's some pressures. There's some peer pressures. There's some enemies out there. But I want you to build an ark for me like you did for Moses. Can I get an amen? I want you to help me with my life. If that's you, saved or unsaved, either way, raise your hands. If you're saved or unsaved, either way, but I described you. Raise up your hands. Hold, hold it up, if you will. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now raise up the other hands, everybody all over the church. 
all over the church. Now begin to open your mouth a little bit louder than a whisper and tell the Lord exactly what you want on this Mother's Day to go to the next level. Come on. Above a whisper. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray over this congregation. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Lord, it's their son. It's their daughter. They haven't heard from them in a long time. It may be a broken relationship of a son or daughter. Now older. Oh God, it may be drugs. It may be alcohol. It may be prostitution. It may be addiction. It may be pornography. Come on, come on, help me. Help me fight this fight. Oh God, and the more I pray, it seems like the more the enemy wants to multiply their wickedness. But I pray that you'll multiply your power and your anointing in their lives. I pray for women today, God. And young ladies, I pray the covering of the blood of Jesus. Come on, come on, claim that with me. I pray that they would march to the beat of a different drummer. I pray they will not march to the the, the world's uh, interpretation of a young lady or woman of God. I pray, oh God, that you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit. I pray, oh God, that they would not uh, get self-esteem from the front cover of a magazine or some commentator on what fashion uh, uh, vogue or whatever it may be in play. I pray they'll get their self-esteem, their love, their value from the Lord Jesus Christ and know that they belong to you. I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Oh, I thank you, Jesus.